morning I'll Great Sunday. Great job. I mean, he was like. As did our band and everybody else, but he was like straight preaching the word up here. That was awesome. Yeah, he should have just gave the lesson. I should have just handed my notes over to him this morning. Uh, well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I'm excited uh, to be with you this morning. And, you know, I watched the message from last week. Uh, you know, I don't usually watch the messages from the week before when I speak. I, I really don't like to hear myself talk or see myself. I'm not that full of myself. Anyways, I watched the message from last week, and I just wanted to hear uh, how it sounded when I sang the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And um, I just felt like, you know, I needed to apologize to you this morning. You know, uh, it's funny because on that recording, it isolates my voice, so you can't hear anything else. And it was, okay, it wasn't very good, okay? So, uh, I, I definitely wanted to say thank you for everyone who participated in that and sang with me because you helped me out tremendously and so did the band. Uh, thank you so much. And, uh, but more than anything, I hope that your hearts were moved uh, into action this week uh, as a result of last week's message. And uh, just to let you know, I'm not going to be singing this week, so don't worry. Um, but before we get started this morning, I just want to take a minute to teach something to you. Uh, I want you to turn to your neighbor. Okay, I want you to turn to your neighbor. You're like, whoa, I don't want to participate. It's okay. Just turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. Get their attention. I want you to choose whichever one you want. Now, if you went to choose somebody and they already had the other person, then I apologize for the awkwardness uh, of that moment. I pray that God would take away the sting of rejection in your life right now. But before we move forward, uh, before we move forward this morning, uh, I want you to just put your hand over your heart. Okay, put your hand over your heart. I want you to uh, look at your neighbor, okay? And with your other hand, I want you to point at yourself, okay? Point at yourself and I want you to say this, I'm, come on, everybody say it. I'm believing God for greater. Awesome, give yourselves a round of applause. Believing God for greater things, for greater peace, uh, for greater joy. Uh, you could do that tomorrow when you wake up. You could look at yourself in the mirror and you could say, I'm believing God for greater today. You know, you can, before your kids go off to school, you can look at them and say, hey, no matter what, no matter what your friends say to you today, no matter what anybody thinks about you, no matter how hard it seems for you to pay attention and they say you got ADD and ADHD and AVCD, EFG, HIJK, LMNOP, I believe in God for greater things in your life. We'll believe in God together. Can I get a Sunday morning amen? amen. Come on, let's pray to God. Father, thank you so much. I'm uh, so excited for this, this morning to be together. Uh, I'm so grateful for my family that is here. I'm grateful for everyone who's visiting uh, this morning. And I pray that you would just open our hearts, that you have been marinating our hearts this week to hear a word from you this morning. God, we know it's not us because at the end of the day, God, I am, I am a wretched man. I am a sinner. But God, your grace and your mercy have, have shown so greatly in our lives. And I pray that we would respond to your word this morning. We are so grateful for you. And we are grateful for what Jesus did when he gave his life for us. We love you, Father. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Well, I can't even tell you. Well, I can tell you. But I can't tell you how excited I am this morning 
uh, to bring the second and the final part of this series that we've been doing called uh, Greater. And today I want to preach to you from 2 Kings uh, in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. And uh, the title of my message this morning is Digging Ditches. Digging Ditches. God has really impacted me in a powerful way about this concept. And the concept of digging ditches would really be the number, thing, number one thing that I would want to teach people about what God has done in our church and also what God has done in my life because it connects two different things that often don't get married together uh, and leave people stuck in a life that is less than what God wants for them, that it's less than God's best. And so last week I taught you about burning your plows, right? Burning the plows. And, and I hope that you had some plow burning parties this week. And if you are lost right now, I want to encourage you to go listen to that message uh, that, we, that we gave last week. You can look at it online or you can go on our iTunes and you can get it there. Um, but this week, we're not burning plows, okay? We're digging ditches, okay? And we're going to launch a ditch digging initiative for our whole church. Doesn't that sound fun? That sounds sound fun. That's not exactly what you want to do. You want to dig some ditches today. You don't even know you do, but you're going to want to when we're done. Anyways, uh, let's study the Bible together. Let's study this together in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. If you have your Bibles or if your Bible glows, it's all good. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. And if it's okay with you, uh, I want to just jump into the text and then give you some background after we read these first couple of verses. So if you feel like we're jumping into the middle of a story, uh, and you don't know what's going on, that's okay because I'm going to fill you in as we go. Okay, so 2 second, second Kings chapter 3, verse 9. It says, So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. They were, you know, going through a drought similar to us. What? What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to deliver us into the hands of Moab? Verse 11. But Jehoshaphat asked, I like that name, Jehoshaphat. But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Now Elisha, he is uh, newly minted as the franchise player of the spiritual trajectory of the nation of Israel, God's people. And in this story, we see three kings come together, come together to fight against a group of people who had rebelled against them. And uh, as a as the, as the three kings set out to fight this battle, they, they really had expected to win it pretty easily. You know, they were going into this battle with the idea that they were going to win. And it didn't go as, it had, as they had planned. And they ran into a situation that they didn't expect or they didn't expect to encounter uh, in their life. And I wonder if that happened to you this week at any point. I wonder if that's happened to you at any point this week, like you're doing your thing and then you hit something out of nowhere. Like you had all intentions in your heart that you wanted to burn some plows and then you hit a wall and something happened. Well, in their case, 
Uh, for the three kings, it was really a matter of life and a matter of death. They were in the desert on their way to attack these people, these other people, the Moabites. And they ran out of water while they were marching in circles in the desert seven times. Seven times in circles. And so they're stuck in the desert, completely dehydrated, exhausted, until finally it gets so bad that they decide, let's give God, let's give God a try. Let's give, it gets so bad that they decide to give God a try. You know, we say stuff like that. Well, all we can do now is pray, right? Maybe you've heard that. You know, all we could do now is pray. And God is like, yes, you know, I was hoping I would get picked. You know, I'm the last person to get picked on this team, but at least I get to get in the game, you know, like, like God's the last guy to get picked on a team. And so Elisha, who is new to the job, as a prophet, has already done a few miracles uh, by this point. And it's really interesting, by the way, and one of the miracles that he did in the chapter before this, he speaks to a spring of water that had been so contaminated that nobody was able to drink from it. And so when he speaks to this spring, it now is cleansed and it's available for drinking, which is pretty awesome. And then in the next little story, some little boys, uh, they make fun of him and they call him Baldy. They're like, hey, look at this guy, he's bald. And so he calls bears out of the woods to kill the boys. I'm telling you, you should read your Bibles, okay? You should read your Bibles. You should check that out this week because it's in there, okay? I promise you, you'll find it. Anyways, these three kings, they call for uh, Elisha, not Elijah. They call for Elisha, not Elijah. Elijah was the one that the kings had all respected because he was the one that they saw call down fire from heaven. And Elisha was the one that Elijah called out into the field from behind his plow and said, hey, you're next. You're the next prophet of this nation. Then out of nowhere, Elijah vanishes and he goes up to be with God in heaven. In fact, he didn't even die. It says that he was taken up by chariots of fire. I'm telling you, it's another cool story. You guys got to read it this week. And this leaves Elisha as the new prophet of Israel. Well, the kings... The kings have gotten so far away from seeking God that they barely even know Elisha's name. I mean, you can even hear it in the king's voice. He's like, is there no prophet of the Lord? Is there no prophet of the Lord? Everything is falling apart and we're in real trouble here. You got any of that, you got any of that God dust that you could sprinkle on this and you can make some rain happen? You know, you, you got any of the, you got a little rain dance that you can do, a little God dance, you know, your little church thing. You got anything that you can do? Send us some rain. You know, you've done that before. I've done that before where it's like you have a need in your life that presses you to a place where you finally need to seek something beyond yourself. Where you're no longer capable to do the job and you need something greater than you to do it for you in your life. And so I wanted to tell you first and foremost that if you have a great need in your life today, then, then that can be a great thing if it leads you to a greater dependence on God. If you've been marching around an area of your life emotionally, physically, relationally, maybe it's been financially, and, and there's a shortage, there's a, there's a dryness, there's a lack, there's a loneliness and a depression. Sometimes a great need can be the greatest thing that ever happens to us. To drive us to deeper dependence on God. And show us that we really needed Him the whole time. 
And uh, Elisha now gets his first uh, opportunity to prophesy to the kings. And you would think uh, that Elisha, this is his first time. This is like his debut. And you would think that he would want to start with his best opening line. Like you would think he would want to say something funny. You know, you think he would want to say something entertaining or something heartwarming or something personalized for the three kings. I want you to watch what he says when they send their escalades to meet with him. And he gets his summons to the White House to pray for the troops that are are dying of dehydration. Watch Elisha in verse 13. Check this out. Elisha said to the king of Israel, why do you want to involve me? Why are you talking to me? Why do you want to involve me? Go to the prophets of your daddy and the prophets of your mama. Now, that's not a very good job interview, okay? I think somebody needed to train Elisha a little bit more in the fine art of faking it because Elisha's kind of got an attitude about this whole thing, right? He's got an attitude, you know? He's like, oh yeah, you want some God in your life now, huh? You want some God in your life? Yeah, I bet you do. I bet you you want some God in your life. Yeah, those false gods. You know, he actually learned this from Elijah. Uh, He learned this from Elijah. Elijah was taunting some false prophets this one time. And he said, hey, hey, you might want to shout a little louder. You might want to shout a little louder. Uh, You see, they were shouting to get their God's attention because it was a showdown. And Elijah says, hey, you might want to shout a little louder. You know, your God, he may be on vacation, you know. Your God may be uh, in the bathroom, okay? So you might want to talk a little bit louder to get his attention. Anyways, that's in the Bible too, okay? You can find it in there. Uh, And one of the reasons I like to bring some humor uh, in telling you stories is so that you will go check out the Bible and you will see that it's really there. This stuff is really in the Bible. And then you'll find out all my life, I thought the Bible was boring, but it turns out that I'm boring, right? (laughs) And the Bible is awesome and I just need to read it, right? So read your Bibles, okay? I say this all the time. My dad told me, my mom takes credit. Boring people get bored, okay? So, you know, it ain't God. We got to take a look in the mirror this morning. So there's a need that drives these men to God, but Elisha doesn't tell them what they necessarily want to hear. He tells them what they need to hear, which is this, only God can make it rain. You know, only God can make it rain. The greatest human ingenuity falls short. And I point that out because when you talk about the greater things that God wants to do, the tendency is for some people to think it starts with all about them being greater. But it actually starts with God being great. Because he is in you and he is for you and he is with you. Greater things are on the horizon if you trust him and you follow him with all your heart. Now watch this in verse 13, the end of verse 13. The king of Israel, you know, the wicked one who wanted some Holy Ghost help in his life now, uh, hadn't really been thinking much about God until he ran out of water. And it's crazy, isn't it crazy how trouble will drive you to look for God in places you would have never thought to look when times are good, right? And that's why sometimes the lowest point of your life can be the greatest starting point for the greater things God wants to do. And that's meant to encourage you this morning. That's, that's meant to encourage somebody this morning, uh, today. And uh, he goes on and says in, in verse 13, no, 
This is what the king says. No, the king of Israel answered because it was the Lord who called us three kings together. It's his fault. It's his fault. No, the king of Israel answered because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to deliver us into the hands of Moab. Isn't it funny how God gets so little of the credit when things are going good, right? But he gets the bulk of the blame when things start going bad. You ever notice that? Now, Elisha, as you can predict, okay, he's not going to let that comment slip by. He ain't having it, okay? He's already in a bad mood, okay? And he doesn't try to console the poor king either. Instead, he continues to tell these kings off, you know, the ones that have the power uh, to kill him, the ones that could take his life right there in front of them, you know, to make an example out of him that day. But when you stand for God, you don't have to, to fear what people can do to you. You don't have to fear what anybody could do to you. You don't have to fear, fear what people say. You don't have to fear what people think. You only have to trust in who he is and what he says. He goes on in verse 14. Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, implying you don't serve him, I do. As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not pay any attention to you. Whew. You know, Jehoshaphat was the king of the southern part of Israel because it had been divided into two parts, a northern part and a southern part. And uh, even though uh, Jehoshaphat wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing, he did fear God. And uh, he was a good king. And so he says, hey, you know what, king of Israel? You know, if it weren't for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not even look at you or even notice you. In other words, you aren't even worth my time. But now, bring me a harpist. What? That's, this seems kind of strange. You know, you got, a, you got a brand new little prophet boy and the nation is about to die in the desert. You're the only one who can connect the people to God. And he is the only one who could do anything about, uh, you know, about it. And you want some mood music? And not just any mood music, but a harpist? Right? I mean, there couldn't be a more difficult instrument that you could ask for to bring into this place. I mean, you could have asked for a guitar, a piano, but he wants a harpist, right? I mean, that's, 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 a, that's a bold asking right there. And as strange as that may sound to uh, you and me, this was actually very common. Uh, this was very common because the prophets would often have a musician that would follow them around to facilitate a sensitivity to God's presence. It's not like it increased God's presence. It just increased the sensitivity to God's presence of the prophet and helped him speak the word of the Lord. And so the harpist starts playing. And I'm laughing now because I'm just imagining Elisha's attitude by this point. Even though he doesn't feel it, he's going to do it, right? You know, sometimes you got to do it even when you don't feel it, right? Right? So he's like, 
I don't even feel like preaching to you today. Now, I never feel like that, okay? I'm always honored and excited to speak to you. But he's like, I don't even like preaching for, to you. I don't, even want to, I don't even want you to do this today. And then here's what the Bible says in verse uh, 16. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha and he said, this is what the Lord says. And, I, and before I read you what he says, I want to kind of set this up for you. You know, the harpist starts playing and the word of God starts flowing and the kings uh, have been, they must have been expecting, you know, a word of, of encouragement. You know, the Lord is about to speak to them. They must be expecting some, some encouraging words, maybe a word of hope, a word of faith. You know, God is going to send you some rain uh, and God's going to get you that job that you wanted and you're going to work less hours for more pay, right? It's kind of like a magic eight ball and you're shaking that thing and you're like, yes, you know, it says certainly, you know, and, you know, it must have been like that for the kings waiting to hear what the Lord says. And so the harpist is playing. And there are times like last week where I will use music when I'm preaching to make the atmosphere more conducive to God's word. That's why I had Robin play during the end of the message last week because I'm trying to take that moment and connect you to something that God is saying to you. And that's an important moment. It really is. It's moving from the mind as a point of engagement to the heart. And that's when people are more open to the power of God's word. And uh, unfortunately, Robin, uh, she's not feeling well this morning and, and we were going to do some fun things together with the piano. And, but, uh, but anyways, I mean, have you ever noticed that the whole atmosphere changes when like someone's preaching and then they start playing some music? Have you ever noticed that before? Right? You know, you're like, yeah, like this is good. You know, like I'm talking and the music's playing and I feel like I'm going to start rapping or something, you know. And, uh, but anyways, you know, inspiration, it's an awesome thing. It really is. And, and I hope... Uh, you know, when you come to this church, I hope if nothing else that you, that you get inspired to believe God for greater things when you come to church here. You know, inspiration is great. Inspiration is fantastic, but a lot of people don't know the difference between inspiration and participation in God's purpose. Because here's the thing, Elisha starts prophesying and the harpist is playing. And while the harpist is playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elisha and he said, this is what the Lord says, make this valley full of ditches. Now that ain't what I would have wanted to hear if my troops are dehydrated and dying of thirst in the desert. Hey, go ahead and start digging some ditches, make this valley actually full of ditches. And, and maybe the kings wanted God to give them a shortcut uh, to their water supply being turned back on. Maybe the kings wanted God to pay their water bill, right? Uh, maybe that's what they wanted. Uh, maybe the kings thought that Elisha would give them a shortcut to the miracle. And what you need to realize is that, is that God is not your shortcut. God is not your, your shortcut. God is your only solution. You know, he's not a shortcut to your solution. God himself indeed is 
the solution that you need. If all we want from God is greater things, that's not faith. That's idolatry. That's, that's worshiping created things above the creator. So if the first thing I want from God is a thing that he can give to me, then I don't get it yet. And if I think that God is going to do a miracle in my life like a magic trick, then I'm going to be sorely disappointed. Here's why. Because miracles aren't magic tricks. And faith is not a lottery ticket. You see, faith is a work order. And none of you are excited about that. Faith <laughs> is a work order. You, you, you want to see some rain? Then dig a ditch. You want to see some rain? Then dig a ditch. You want God to bless your life financially? Then, then be generous. Get yourself a, a budget, right? <laughs> you know, the harpist is playing in church and, and, and God, wants to, God wants to give you a miracle in your family. And I believe our families are going to serve the Lord I believe God is going to raise up your kids to be world changers for the glory of God. And then the music stops. You go home and your kids aren't on the same page that you are on. With the inspiration that you just received. And when the harpist stops playing. And when the inspiration isn't quite flowing. That's where faith begins. It's not just asking God for rain, but being willing to dig a ditch in preparation for the rain. Before you ever see a, the first cloud in the sky. I mean, wouldn't it be awesome if the Lighthouse Worship Band could just follow you around all week? I mean, wouldn't that be awesome, right? You're in that business meeting and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, and then you could just be like, and they start playing and you're like, you're inspired, right? You're, now you want to be the best businessman or woman that you can possibly be, you know. Or, uh, you know, you, maybe um, for you, uh, <laughs> you're washing dishes this week, you know. You're washing dishes in your kitchen and, 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 and I'm preaching, scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub. And then the music is over and you got to pick up your shovel and get your hands dirty. And you got you to get your hands dirty. You see, faith without works is dead. And I want you to repeat this after me so you can hear yourself say it. Some more participation, right? I want you to say this, okay? Say it. Say, only God can make it rain. But he wants me to dig a ditch. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, dig a ditch. Turn to your other neighbor and tell them, dig a ditch. Okay, turn to either one, whichever one that you like more and tell them, dig a ditch. Dig a lot of ditches. I hope you turned. If you're married, I hope you turned to your spouse. You know, Elisha didn't just say to dig one ditch. He said, make this valley full of ditches. Now, sometimes I feel like we're content with digging one ditch and we're okay with that. But I think that shows where your faith is at when you only dig one ditch. You see, he didn't say just to dig one ditch. He said, make this valley full 
of ditches. Now that's difficult to do. When you're in a valley, it's dry season in your life. There are no clouds in the sky. You're, all, you're already tired. You're already weary. You know, your bones are already sore from not having the proper hydration. And now God wants you to dig a ditch for some rain that may not even come. But that's the nature of faith. The faith to get beyond just inspiration and get into a place of participation in God's purposes. A lot of people never see God do greater things and they assume it's because God didn't move in their life. But I have learned that if you don't move, God won't move. And that's not to say that he is by any means limited by us, okay? God can do anything that he wants to do. He could just, he could do just do something out of his own will. But have you ever noticed how God let people participate in their own miracle? Did you ever notice that? Jesus told a man one time with a withered hand, stretch it out. When your hand is withered, you've got to have a lot of faith to stretch something that's not even stretchable. And that's where faith is born. You know, recently I, I just graduated from college. Uh, thank the Lord. You know, I don't have uh, any more homework. Yes. You know, I'm so excited about that. Anyways, um, just graduated from college and, uh, and, and I don't just, I'm really excited about that. It was a long process, took four, you know, a little over four years. Um, but I'm, just, I'm so excited about it. Anyways, um, being in the ministry uh, has really given me so many blessings. And I love, I, I feel like this is my dream job. What I get to do right now is there's nothing else that I would rather do in this world. Okay, but I also know that, you know, sometimes things may not always work out with the situation. And so, you know, you always want to just, you know, kind of have a backup plan. Not, you know, I'm not, okay, anyways, I'm not like super set on having a backup plan. But anyways, I graduated with an accounting degree, which has nothing to do with ministry. Okay, but I thought, you know, it'd be cool to maybe get a little bit of experience. Uh, it just kind of, you know, maybe like a one day a week, two days a week and, um, I was on my alumni website this week and you can kind of look, or a couple of weeks ago, and you can search for jobs on there. They'll kind of give you, you can search criteria. And so I searched it out and this one uh, opportunity came up. It's for this place called David and Margaret. Some of you know this place. It's a, it's a nonprofit home for uh, young uh, girls. I thought it was only girls, but it's actually for young boys too. And uh, for, for kids that have been abandoned, basically. And uh, they had a, offered an accounting manager job, which is way out of my, you know, level okay did not qualify at all for this position anyways I just got me thinking in my heart like how cool would it be to volunteer maybe a day or two a week for a couple hours and and really build a connection with an organization like that who wants to help young people and and, and I could learn about accounting at the same time and so I sent an email uh, you know I sent an email to the woman uh, I said hey I realize that this job has been filled I know that there's not a there's no openings anymore but I was wondering if you would be willing just to meet with me. Uh, I would love to just volunteer maybe one day a week, two days a week, uh, just for a couple hours. And, you know, a week goes by, she doesn't respond. And so I send another email and I'm, I'm getting ready to call her by this point because I'm just like, man, I really want to, this is, seems like a great opportunity. Even though there wasn't an opportunity, I was just trying to, you know, make it happen. And um, I got an email back. And she's like, you know, I'm just want to, I want to make sure this is not a scam, okay? You're not trying to like rip me off or anything. And so you can, can you give me a call? And so I gave her a call and we got together. And, um, and basically uh, she was like, we would love to have you volunteer here. Um, 
you know, one day or two days a week for a few hours. And, and uh, I just thought that was so cool. I already have, they're already um, connecting, I think, with our ministry too, at the team ministry. We're going to be serving, helping out uh, these young men and women. But I just feel like it's such an amazing opportunity. And, and I feel like God really blessed it when I just kind of stepped out on faith. I'm not saying it was, my, it was me, but I just was willing to take a step out. Uh, there weren't any clouds in the sky. There was no rain, but it was just kind of taking a step out on faith and God really worked. And I've learned that there's a big difference between having the hope to being inspired about something and being willing to participate in it by faith. Now, I've got a newsflash for you. Any God who can make it rain can also dig some ditches without the help of a human. It wasn't that God needed them to be his labor force. It wasn't like God needed them to pitch in and help him get the job done because it was a quick turnaround time and they had a deadline coming up. You know, he wanted their faith in motion before he moved. And that is the pattern of God. Jesus one time had some hungry people and before he fed them, he had the disciples sit them in groups all around the grassy slope of Galilee that day, he didn't perform the miracle until the people were in position to receive the miracle. And there's an element of faith that is believing God to do what only he can do. Then there's an element of preparation that consists in you doing the part that only you can do, where you participate, where you take a step out on faith. The difference between our faith and the way the world works is this. The world prepares for something that they hope they can accomplish and can achieve. God's people prepare for something that we know we cannot accomplish. We can only receive it. You know, someone told me once that if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. I think a lot of times our faith is is really exposed in how big our faith is. That didn't make sense. I got kind of caught up there. You know, by what we're asking God to do in our lives, I think our faith gets exposed by how big it is. It shows how big your God is to you. You know, preparing for something that we can't accomplish without God's help in our life. But by God's grace, we want to be in position to receive the greater things that he's going to do on our behalf. And so if you're in a valley today, if you're in a valley today and you need God to send some rain, and you want God to raise your children to love him and to serve him, that's a big dream. That's a huge goal. That's an awesome prayer. But it's going to require a small start from you. So when I hear parents saying, I want my kids to love and serve God, but you're not digging any ditches by getting them to church, at least the majority of the time, because you're teaching them that other things are more important than God, that their sports and their extracurricular activities are more important than God? Or you're not speaking words of encouragement and affirmation to build up who they are in Christ so they know that in a solid way? If you're not correcting them because you're more interested in being their friend, not their parent, or you don't want to spend the energy of being involved in their life, don't expect God to send the rain until you start digging some ditches in your life. Now God doesn't wait until you dig all the ditches to send the rain. He just wants to know if you have enough faith to take him at his word and get started. And that's the call I believe God wanted me to 
bring to you this morning. The call to, to send out to our church today to dig a ditch in the area of your life that God wants to move and show himself strong. To prepare for a miracle even if you can't see a sign of the miracle on the horizon. To speak a word of forgiveness to somebody who hasn't even showed a sign of repentance. To be generous with your resources even though you wish God was being more generous with you because you have very little. And the thing that sets us apart from you know, your typical motivational message uh, is that we're preparing not for something that we might accomplish, but what God has certainly promised us. Did you see the, the commercial, the Olympics were uh, not, that, not that long ago. Did you see the commercial during the Olympics where the Olympic athletes were uh, talking about the sacrifices that they made to prepare for being an Olympic athlete? Maybe you saw that commercial. Uh, one of them said, I haven't ordered a dessert in over two years. Like you see me up here doing this. You see me up here performing and doing all this cool stuff. But you don't know what I did to prepare for it. And when I heard that, I was like, well, I'm kind of like her because, you know, I haven't uh, eaten dessert in like two days, you know, and <laughs> we're pretty similar. I, I like to think of myself as an Olympic athlete myself, you know, and so you see, in human terms, we prepare, we prepare, we prepare, we prepare. We see that we have the talent. We see that we have the opportunity. And, and we so we prepare and when we might win, we, we might get something out of it or we might not. And the way God works is that you prepare even knowing ahead of time that you can't do it by yourself. And it leaves a space for God to fill. And when you dig the ditches and get ready and prepare and keep yourself pure, teens, you keep yourself pure and you have an attitude of a leader even when you're low in your company. And when you dig ditches in the valley, the low places, God gets involved in a supernatural way. Let me read the end of this passage. Uh, and I close with this thought, okay? I want to close out with this thought. Uh, and this is the part the kings wanted to hear. This is, this is the part that they wanted to hear. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water and your cattle and your other animals will drink. You see, faith is preparing for the thing that you can't perceive. Faith uh, is, is preparing for the thing that you have no idea where it's going to come from or how it's going to happen, but I'm getting ready anyway. He says, for this is what the Lord says, you will see neither uh, wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water and you, your cattle and your other animals will drink. This is an easy thing. Everybody say easy thing. Easy. Say easy thing. easy thing. This is an easy thing in the eyes of the Lord. He will also deliver Moab into your hands. You will overthrow every fortified city and every major town. You will cut down every good tree, stop up all the springs and ruin every good field with stones. The next morning, the next morning, morning about the time for offering the sacrifice. That's what happens when you praise God. We offer him not a sacrifice of a bull or of a goat, but we confess the name of Jesus. He is Lord of our lives and we worship him in spirit and in truth. 
the next morning about the time for offering the sacrifice, there it was. There it was. Water flowing from the direction of Edom and the land was filled with water. Now I don't know what rain you need. And I don't know what ditch God is calling you to dig. But one thing is pretty remarkable about this text is that there's not one verse about how hard it was for them to dig ditches all night with no Home Depot three miles down the road. Can you imagine the agony of that? You know, the labor and the backbreaking effort of the entire nation already dehydrated, okay, with no construction equipment, nothing but weapons to fight a war, digging ditches in the valley. Yet there are not one verse about how hard it was for them to dig those ditches. Why do you suppose that is? Why do you think that is? I guess it's because the glory of what God did when they were obedient was so much greater than the sacrifice and the pain that they experienced to obey him. Now I want you, I want to tell you one more thing and then I'm out of here, okay? I'm out of here. I'll let you go home and you can start digging some ditches because the harpist is going to stop playing. The inspiration is going to stop and you got dishes in the sink. And you got an expense report on your desk. And you got to get your kids ready for school and their homework isn't done. That's the reality. You know, I remember one last story before we close out. You know, I remember when I was in the campus ministry, uh, about four or five years ago. And, um, you know, I was just restored, okay? When I say restored, that means for a while I had just left God and then I had come back and uh, restored my relationship with him. And it was awesome. And I had a good job. I mentioned this last week. I was a carpenter. I was a union carpenter. But just being a part of the church and being in the ministry and having uh, an amazing uh, a guy in my life, his name was Josh Peterson, really inspired me as a leader. Um, you know, I got the vision for my life that I wanted to be in the ministry. And so I made the decision that I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to serve in the ministry. And that was a hard choice because I had a steady income. I had a good job. And so, uh, you know, I, I ended up quitting. I went back to school um, and then I moved out to be in a household. And, and, and during that time, you know, it was really an incredible uh, a time in my life. But I'm telling you, there were days when it got hard because I didn't have that income anymore. I didn't have a job. I was going off my savings. My, my savings was getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. Okay, don't follow my example in that area, okay. But there were days I wanted to quit. There were days that I thought, you know what? This is really hard right now. And it would just be so much easier if I go back to my job. They, I knew they would rehire me. I had a great relationship with them. And there were days I just wanted to just let it go and I wanted to quit and I wanted to just throw it all away. And uh, for some reason just kept going. And I kept going and I kept trying to, you know, I kept trying to make it work and, and I wanted to quit. But I remember how awesome it was uh, this one day when I went to go hang out with Peter Garcia and we were on a walk, we were going on a prayer walk and he pulled me aside and he says, hey, I want to, 
I want to give you an opportunity to lead our teen ministry here in Lighthouse. And it was just like, whoa, it's real. Like the thing that I wanted so badly, God has blessed me with an opportunity to serve young men and women, to teach them about God, to love them, and to have an influence in their life. And you know, everybody, I want you to stand as we close this morning. I did this last week, but if you could stand to your feet, Everybody, please stand to your feet. I know you're like, what? Okay, stand to your feet. I'm not always, I'm not saying that it always ends that way, okay? I'm not always saying that it ends with God blessing because that doesn't always happen. That doesn't always happen. You know, I got some dry ditches in my life I can tell you about too. Some rain that hasn't showed up in some areas, but I'm telling you that there's something inside of you that you want to quit on today. There's something inside of you that you have been thinking about quitting on. There's a relationship that you want to give up on and walk away from because you're tired of digging. And I wanted to encourage you this morning to keep digging away. Keep digging away. Don't dig based on what you see. Dig based on what you know about the one who has called you according to his purpose. Don't dig based on what you see. Dig based on who you know. Dig based on who you know. And right now we're going we're gonna to take the communion. I'm going to pray for you. But whenever I think about quitting, I think about that night in Gethsemane when Jesus prayed that prayer and he said, God, is there any other way? I don't want to do this. But he made the decision to obey. Even when it was hard. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful he made that decision. Because we wouldn't be standing here this morning. So as we uh, pray right now for the communion, as you pray on your own, I just want you to, Say, God, thank you so much for your willingness to obey even when it was hard. Even when you felt like quitting, you didn't quit on me. I'm not quitting on you today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. God, we are believing you for greater things. God, we are believing you for, for the rain. And God, we, we, we just want to see you do amazing things. But I know, God, it's not about just receiving. This isn't just like some prosperity kind of thing. But our faith requires action. It requires participation. Faith isn't just hearing and believing. It's obeying you, Father. And I pray that you would give us the faith this morning. I know some of us, we, we're contemplating quitting. We're, we're contemplating quitting on church. We're, we're contemplating quitting on our relationship with you. We're, maybe there are people contemplating on quitting in their relationship, in their marriage. But I pray that we can draw strength from your son, Jesus Christ, this morning. That when he had the opportunity to throw the towel in and say, I don't want to do this, that was the moment he decided to put his life on the line for us. God, we are so grateful. We want to give you all honor, all glory, all praise. You are an amazing God. We love you so much. It's in your son's name. Amen.